Hey there, you're listening to Pushing It, where we talk about all things pregnancy, birth, and life with a new baby. Because if you can't laugh without peeing yourself, you might as well laugh at yourself while doing it. And see a PAT. A what? A public floor therapist. Don't be peeing all over the place. Come on, guys. Let me at least finish what I was going to say. Sorry, sorry. You can't laugh without peeing yourself. See a therapist. You might as well laugh at yourself while doing it. And... Then go see a PT. Okay, sounds good. I am Elise McAllister. And I am am interrupting Jen Laird. Also, sucking the fun out of the room, Jen Laird. That's your new name. (laughs) Oh my god! I know. There went all of our listens. Look at look at the computer. It's gone. All the people have just left the room. Bye, Bye. listeners. Oh, there's one. Oh, do you see? There's one. There's Hi. one. She's, Hi, listener. She, that listener's sticking around to hear more about common pregnancy questions we hear, but you're afraid to ask. Oh, but you weren't so afraid to ask them because you guys have been sending us your questions. Good job. High five, everybody. It turns out that you're real people after Aww. all. So, hey, thanks for being real and thanks for sending us your questions. Shout out. We're not going to use your name, though. No. You're all very anonymous out there in listening land. I kind of wanted to use fake funny names, though. Oh. Or just fake names. That could get... We could use, like, our dog... south really quick. We could use our dog names, like Mr. Waffles and Baxter, <laughs> but no, let's not do it. No, that's... that's. Uh, although Baxter does ask very intelligent questions. Mr. Waffles is extremely... He's maturing really quickly. I he's mean, like he is, over a year old now. He is. He had his birthday last week. <gasps> What'd you guys do? Did you not see his picture on no. Facebook? We put a party hat on him and we covered Aww. him in um, streamers. And uh, he got he got some treats. He got a bark box. Oh. oh. Are you doing the bark box? Um, or just one? We did two. The cheap one? Um, we got the big one that's full of all the things, and then we got one more because I am going to Thailand next week, <gasps> oh. and the dogs aren't coming, and so... Oh, you're not bringing the dogs to Thailand? <laughs> What's wrong with you? I know, so... Since you're bringing the, dog, the kids instead. We are bringing the kids. Since I'll be in Thailand for two yeah. weeks, we decided to get the dogs bark boxes so they had oh. things to play with. That's very cute. I know, I know. Good stuff in there? This week, yeah, it was good. But the first week was the best. Okay. Yeah, for sure. I'm, I'm a little nervous because my um, dachshund would just tear it up. Yeah, yeah. We got one, exactly the way it works. one kind of dog toy we can get. But actually, you're not listening to hear about our dog toys. Nope. You're you, hearing to hear. You got questions. to hear about our questions. Yes. Okay, so you want to know what everybody's really wondering about. And you're probably wondering about these things, too. And you haven't asked anybody. So here they are. So in our typical style here, um, know that there is research behind this. But we're also just going to throw in a lot of experience and opinion because you don't listen to pushing it so that you (laughs) research for research. You know. Wow. You don't listen to Pushing It for Research. You come here for our jokes and dog stories. Exactly. And my swearing. No, just kidding. So we're not going to link research studies to any of these things. We're going to keep this anecdotal. Oh. 
Anecdotal. Would Ooh. you like to give us an understanding of what anecdotal is? It doesn't even. I don't even need to define anecdotal when oh. you say it like that, Jen. People it doesn't know even what matter. Anecdotal is. Let's so, just jump in. Let's just go all in. I want to define anecdotal okay, first. For so anecdotal in the fun out of the room. Is more um, from the perspective of people's experience rather than like here. I got the numbers to show. Gotcha. Okay, fun sucker. Right, <laughs> ahead, aren't you now? Okay, first Here's question. The big one. Okay, I I picked this one to go first okay. because I feel like I've answered this question about eight times this week. Okay, tell me, is it possible to totally not know that you're in labor and even miss a big bunch of labor? Oh. She, she didn't actually write Miss a Big Bunch, but. So here's the short and the long answer. Can I do the short and you do the long? No. <laughs> In the true style of pushing. <laughs> Here is the answer. Yes and no. Really mostly no. Mostly no, but big, a little bit big, of yes. Okay, let's give the lowdown on the no. Okay. Babies don't fall out. Good point. Certainly not first babies yeah babies generally don't fall out i mean babies never fall out right because we don't have velcro vulvas velcro vulva sounds like an awesome band name though (laughs) oh my gosh you just said that out loud (laughs) velcro vulva all right wow we are really zippy today that's like a zipper on a cervix come on what are you saying (laughs) Also a great band name, Jen. Okay. <laughs> so it is totally possible to, I mean, it's not possible. You're not going to miss it. Make up like, your mind. Sometimes people don't always know the early signs of labor. Would that right. be your yes? Yes. That's my yes. Like you might notice in hindsight, yep. right? Like, yep. oh, that backache for weeks and weeks. That, yep. or not weeks and weeks, but days. Like, oh, that there, was... There have been some people that um, I've supported in um, birth who, in retrospect, meaning they're like, oh, the baby's out now. And they, they go, wow, that was actually a super efficient birth. Meaning, um, from the time I noticed those contractions that were intense to having a baby in my arms was much less than your average 24-hour type length, right? They're like, oh, but now that I think about it, that lower back pain that I had for two days, some of those loose stools, and then those times where I was like, wow, my tummy kind of feels hard. So their efficient birth probably was due to their body doing some work before they really started noticing those contractions. Could also be that some of those folks really were not uh, paying attention to their body and finding a lot of distraction in other things. And so their focus wasn't on what was happening in their body until it was more advanced. So um, I want to be inclusive here because if I was listening to this and I was pregnant and going, oh, so if I just do a really good job of pretending it's not happening, then my labor is going to be efficient and short. Fall out of my Velcro vulva. Yes. And it'll all just be fine. How do I get to that goal? So let's remind everybody, human bodies and human bodies process things differently. Yes. And that includes everything from the way we digest food to the way that we uh, birth babies. So babies aren't going to just fall out. You're not going to have a baby 
come out because you were super distracted. And I, you know, there are always outliers. There are always those people that are like, well, I had a super fast birth. And there are also a lot of people who are probably thinking, oh, I definitely could not have missed any contractions or been distracted from any of those. I noticed every single one of them. And we hear you. We, we see you. you. We oh, see you. Yes. Yes, yes. So we we have to be really careful here to include everybody. Yeah. Because I, I don't want everybody going, oh, how do I be good enough to make sure that I don't pay attention to that early part of labor? Well, depending on baby's position in your body, depending on your emotions or even the way your body is is you might actually really feel those and that's not like i'm using air quotes here that's not your fault like you're not doing a bad job here um and still try to get yourself distracted um, in that early part of labor um and that doesn't necessarily mean that your labor is going to be swift and fast no because you could be really feeling and uncomfortable with those early labor contractions but your your service is actually just doing the hard and good work of moving forward and thinning and that dilation might not have even have started yet yep So can we just speak to averages and what's typical, though, is that you're not going to miss labor. Yep. Most people think, wow, this is hard. This is happening now, and then it gets still harder. So um, for the, the person out there who sent this in, our answer to you is no. You are not going to miss the signs of labor if you're still in the stage where you're not sure whether or not it's labor. Right. Hang on. You'll see. Yes. Okay. Let it build. Moving on to our next question. You want to do this one, Jen? Oh, let's, let's speak to this. Pregnancy is giving me gas and digestive issues. Am mm. I alone in this? No, I wish my everybody friend. could raise their hand out there if they've had some gas and digestive issues no, in pregnancy. No, my friend, you're not alone. Okay, here's why. You want to know why? I want to know why. Because we got some of these hormones working really hard in our body, which um, are causing some of these digestive issues. Mm-hmm. So the hormones involved in growing your baby, um, that can be a byproduct is that there are more digestive issues, um, particularly in the first trimester when um, those hormones are even larger quantities than typical for um, starting out that growth and rapid development of this baby. So um, that commonly can um, cause in early uh, pregnancy um, probably more bloating and constipation. And then often um, towards the end of pregnancy, more diarrhea and loose stool for some, and some still have some of that constipation sort of issue. Um, thinking, I often say that all that constipation through pregnancy is just practice for pushing at the end. Ooh. Oh, but oh, careful though. <laughs> that don't don't sit on the toilet pushing. Let's not get yeah hemorrhoids. No. Um. So. 
definitely think about increasing fiber. Oh, yeah. And think about um, maybe even a stool softener. Mm -hmm. Um, Check with your provider to see what their recommendations are, Um, but often increasing your water intake as well, and maybe just making sure that you're moving your body. Yeah. If you're going for a walk, then that usually aids in... Uh, movement of stool Um, so it's all these little things how do you kind of combine all those things exercise water more um, fiber rich um, uh, foods as well as um, maybe even looking at a medical like a medication to aid some of that but again check with your provider about that but it's really really normal to have um, those things happen Um, due to hormones and then also in pregnancy we've got this large this baby this large this (laughs) hopefully not i was gonna say large thing happening in our body but it's not a thing it's a person and got this person who is perfectly sized person exactly we've got this developing fetus or baby (laughs) um and that person takes up some room in spaces that um, have not had anything pushing on them previously so you can imagine that some organs are displaced or squished or pushed to the side in order to make room for that baby growing. And that also tends to impact um, with gas, bloating, constipation, and or loose stools is just that baby taking up room in that space. Digestion is slowed, which can also impact those digestive issues that you're feeling. Um, so I guess it, it it seems like a simple answer um, <laughs> that hormones are going to change digestion and a person taking up room in your body and putting pressure on organs is also. So that's kind of a non-science <laughs> based answer to that question. Oh, but there's science there. And wow, that makes so much sense, right? It like, does. That's what I'm saying. Like, it's kind of simple. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Oh, so, so yes. what's happening. You are not alone in this. Um, There's a lot happening there, as well as postpartum. Pretty often you're getting some gas and bloating then as well as now um, that baby's not living inside and things are shrinking back and your uterus is shrinking and going back to its original size and your organs are kind of getting back into their typical place where they live inside of your body and that too can create... um, some digestion issues. Um, so there you go. All right. I'm going to go out of order, Jen. I'm going to throw you off. Oh, no. Is it safe to have sex in the third trimester? Ooh. Again, I'm going to go with yes and no. Let's go with the no <laughs> first. Here's, Can I get your no out of the way, Jen? Here's the no. The no is if you have been told to have pelvic rest. Right. So don't have sex if you've been told not to by your provider. Always listen to your provider first. We're There's not that. your providers. But the the yes, yeah, for sure. Go sure. for it. We we're we're advocating for sex here. We're always advocating for sex, consensual sex, right? So <laughs> it might feel like this baby's super low in your pelvis. Uh, and you maybe even have some shooting like ligament pain down your inner legs, thighs in there. But um, let me tell you, that baby is hidden behind lots of cushioning. And the region in which um, 
something may be inserted in there so is are long. Are you trying to tell me, Jen, that nobody is poking their baby in the head? That's exactly what I'm trying to say. Thank oh, you. Jen, for those of you who are having sex with men, um, I know that they all want to believe that they could poke your baby in the head. Oh, don't make that generalization that all oh, come on. I know. Some people have not thought that way. Okay, so. Be more inclusive. All right, fine, fine, fine. Okay, your baby's not getting poked in the brain. Nope. There's not going to be a little. There is a lot of room there. We got this cervix that's nice and closed. Behind that cervix, we have got a cushion of amniotic fluid. Do we have fluid. to jump in our magic school bus again? Yes, we do. So we've got that fluid in there that is protecting baby as well. So it might feel low, but we can promise you, you are not poking that baby in the head. You got a whole uterus of fun. Yes. <laughs> Between the penis and the baby. Yes. Right? So it's safe. Um, another question, sub-question to that Ooh. would be, uh, can having sex help bring on labor or prevent labor? Ooh, Okay. I've got two answers for you, Jen. Yes, bring them. Oh, and then I bet you have another little questiony subthought too. Oh, we could go on forever. Oh, okay. Okay. So um, potentially it could bring on labor if the stars are all aligned. The stars are all aligned, meaning your body, baby, they're all ready to go. Then, yeah, potentially, because there's a lot of good things happening in there. The hormones, um, there's some hormones in semen that can help uh, get your uh, your cervix ready. Mm-hmm. There's oxytocin when you're feeling good having sex. There's some oxytocin release when you have an orgasm. So we are advocating for orgasms. Uh-huh. Um, and that can come whether or not you're having sex with a male. So um, everybody should have sex, especially if you're trying to get into labor. However... If you are not ready to be in labor and it's not that time or your baby's not ready, it's not going to work. It's not going to happen. Um, so no worries. If you're yeah. like early on in the third trimester and you're not at risk of a preterm labor, right? your doctor has not put you on pelvic rest or your provider in general has not put you on pelvic rest, then have sex. Go mm-hmm. for it. Woohoo! Yeah. yeah. Um, it, you're all good. It's not going to start anything. You might get a little bit crampy because, again, those yep. hormones. But hormones. It's, don't don't feel concerned. Um, but you always have a really great warning about um, surprise semen. Say you that look again. so shocked right now. <laughs> Wait, I I wasn't paying attention <laughs> while we were podcasting for just a second. <laughs> Repeat that last statement, Elise. <laughs> wow, Jen. <laughs> Sorry. Way to be present with me it's in this moment. I just like was dreaming, I, daydreaming. I said I really like your um, warning about some oh, uh, surprise morning okay. season. Yes, surprise morning season. <laughs> there we go. So I've heard folks and even seen them go to their hospital like, oh my gosh, my water broke. Oh, nope. Actually, I had sex last night this morning. And that's actually semen that is now coming on out so um you make it sound like there's just like waterfalls of semen semen. well so you're laying there 
And um, there is pockets of places for stuff to kind of hang out. And remember, in the later weeks of pregnancy, you've got increased vaginal, vaginal fluid. fluid, like so much so, that sometimes you're like, "Did I pee? Yeah. Is that vaginal fluid?" So vaginal it- fluid, along with semen can make it appear that your water is broken. So something that um, I have heard providers say is um, if you get up and wipe and then wait an hour and there still continues to be things that trickle down your leg, then that's more of a sign that uh, your water, you have a slow leak in your water. So, but I'm also kind of giving that perspective of if you um, have quite a bit more fluid than typical and you can remember, oh yeah, I, uh, I had sex either this morning or last night or whatever. And usually this typically happens when um, you wake up in the morning, right? Because if you hadn't used the restroom and you had Wait, sex. are you assuming that there are pregnant people sleeping through the night? Yeah, that's a kind of a weird thing to say, isn't it? It sure is. Of all the things that we say, I think I that know. might be the weirdest thing. Okay. And I said Velcro vagina or vulva or whatever. Whatever you said. Yeah. So. Whatever time you wake up to yes, go pee and you. it's trickling. So go let your provider know if you're not sure and then let them know you had sex. They'll test it and figure out what yeah. it is. They're not going to be like, ooh, she had sex. Nobody I mean, a lot weird. of people actually get pregnant that way, it turns <gasps> out. So they're going to be not all that shocked that you had sex. Yeah. Okay. So that's the answer to that one. Thanks for asking that question. Um, let's see. I've been hearing about perennial massage. Also known as perineal perineal <laughs> massage. Well, somebody, somebody, I've heard lots of people call it Perineal. And perineal. Yeah, but really it should be what you said. I feel like it's tomato, tomato. You say perineal, I say perennial. Let's call the whole thing off. <laughs> anyway. Wow. Okay. No, no interest in going there with me, huh, Jeff? I have Thanks. asked. Uh, let's see. What was the question? <laughs> um, they've been hearing about this massage. Should I be doing this regularly? Okay. Uh, First, let's explain let's what it into is. this. What is this? Okay. This is where the pregnant person and a, a you know, a... Intimate partner. Well, I was going to just say a participant. Uh, your doula is not doing this to you. Well, no, but it could be Your any, best friend any, is not doing this. Maybe. Any oh. willing participant. Okay. Typically, it's a partner. Yes. Is... Taking two fingers and stretching your perineum. Okay, let's go back to the Magic School Bus episode. Okay. If you haven't listened, please go back where we jump in our Magic School Bus and we take a trip in through your vagina. But before we go into your vagina, we explore the vulva. And the perineum is the place right under the vagina before your anus. Okay? Okay. So we're looking at that piece of tissue, mm-hmm. stretching that with two fingers, kind of a, gosh, I'm trying to think of the numbers on the clock that what might be there, eight o'clock and four o'clock. Yep. Uh, stretching those areas out, applying some pressure just to that point of like, oh, how would you describe the like, ooh, that's ooh, uncomfortable. that's, ooh, that's that. <laughs> ooh. Yep. Owie, owie. Doing that 
daily. Yep. For I think even the recommendation I've seen is 15 minutes. Yep. It's a fair amount of time. That is. That's like a part-time job. Yeah. So that's what perineal massage is or okay. perennial massage. So say. what um we were actually recently at a conference where we heard someone speak on this topic, and we hope to actually have this person on our podcast in oh, the future. We hope so. So um, we're going to wait for that. But also, um, there is research to show that it can be helpful, and there's research to say that it doesn't have a significant impact on um, the amount of tearing or need for repair in that area. So... Um, it is one of those hot topics where some people feel pretty passionate about, yes, you should do this. And some people are like, meh, the research doesn't really show that there's enough, um, either a evidence or strong enough evidence to show that it's worth that much time. My personal thoughts, cause this is my personal podcast. So I get to say my personal <laughs> thoughts. I, know, I was going to say, this is let's, let's, let's ditch the evidence and just give our opinion. Yeah. Now. So here's my personal thoughts. If I had someone daily for six weeks, have Oof. my my intimate partner, my husband, doing perineal massage on me daily for 15 minutes and it didn't feel good, I don't know that I would be particularly drawn to that person, meaning my husband, in a emotional or physical way. I got to be honest. Yeah. And so when I think of whether or not that would be helpful for me... I think that that choice is there that I wouldn't make it. I'd say, no, nah, that's not really worth it because the evidence doesn't show that, yes, this is the thing. Here you go. This is the key. And so my thought would be if it interferes with your ability to connect with that person, maybe avoid it. On the flip side, maybe it actually helps you connect with that person and that's just fine. And I've heard some people say that. Like, yeah. it is just fine. We've done it and it's actually helps connect us together. Great. Please go for that. The other thing that I'll turn series for just a second as well is that for those who are survivors, that could be kind of a triggering experience. And so please be aware of the emotions that might come up on there and maybe um, that's not something that would be helpful in your journey um, and preparation. Or on the flip side, could be helpful to have your partner yeah. do that. In a safe space. Yep. With exactly. consent. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So um, that was kind of a more serious um, <laughs> a, so, a more serious take that we take on that. But um, I just – I think that's really tuned into your body and this is not one of – it's the it, many decisions that we get to make and how we prep our mind and body for birth. And this is just one of those topics. Yeah. And no right I mean, or wrong. we're talking about something that the research isn't really exactly. supporting, like, strongly. Strongly. So this is something that if it feels good, do it. And if it doesn't, then don't worry about yeah. it. Because we're talking about 15 minutes of your life every single day day for a, a number of weeks so i'm just curious jen like what i'm I not mean, doing the, that math no 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 jeez jen <laughs> she goes spacing out and then comes back all accusatory <laughs> uh, i was just thinking what you could do with 15 minutes uh, like an extra 15 minutes every day Ooh. what would you do what would i do i'd eat more ice cream oh there you go maybe you should make that a point 
I don't know if it really is. (laughs) If I should. Okay. I mean, think of all the things you could do with extra 15 minutes in your day. I I feel like life is pretty busy. And uh, when you get ready to meet your baby, you're probably pretty busy. Yeah. Okay. I like this question a lot. Okay. Um, Nipple prep. Is that a thing? Okay. Let's phrase that question another way. Should I be doing something to my nipples to get them ready to nurse a baby? So I have heard this question so many times. And one time I had somebody, I was teaching a a group class, and I had somebody raise their hand and say that their grandmother had told them they needed to take a medium bristle toothbrush to their nipples. I am now supporting my nipples because right? the everybody of that, grab your nipples. No, no, gently, gently, not grab, gently owie. brace them, brace owie, them, owie, owie. brace them. No, please put down the brush. Right? What's the thought behind that? You got to rough them up. You got to rough them up to get them ready for baby. I guess you you got to build up calluses or something. Oh Whoa, no, 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 no. And I'll be the first to say that, like. Nursing a baby is a lot of action on the nipples. Woo. Like, your nipples have not seen this much action since college. Um, but really, uh, you know, this is, this is, you don't need to start this early. Your baby's no. going to do exactly what needs to be done to your nipples for breastfeeding. Yeah. It's totally going to be okay. So, in a way to prepare your nipples for labor, maybe a breastfeeding class. Maybe watching some videos on actual breastfeeding and what it looks like. Maybe looking at some information about how it should feel, that it shouldn't hurt and be excruciating, but it might be a tad bit uncomfortable at the very beginning. Check out a little uh, La Leche League meeting. Get a book. You can totally go to a La Leche League meeting. For free. For free while you're pregnant. Yeah. That'll that'll give you the lowdown on breastfeeding because you get to see people doing it. You get to ask some questions, um, and you get to see that people did not take a bristle brush and get their <sighs> nipples ready. Ouch! Don't you don't need to do anything to your nipples. You might need to buy a few supplies ahead of time. Some breast pads, I'm thinking. Some nipple cream for leaking milk would be the, why we had the, the breast pads. Yeah, <laughs> for cream. for the nipple cream, you might have some soreness on there, and so yeah. having some nipple cream after nursing can be helpful. Um, a nursing bra, yes, um, and possibly a breast pump, which you, most insurance companies, um, health they insurance, have to cover now. They cover. So those are the things I'm thinking about. Um, I think it's fun to buy some breastfeeding supplies too and like have a little basket of them because it kind of you know yeah breastfeeding can feel like some work to get sorted and so it can be nice to have some some special things that are just yours it can also feel really connecting to your baby and um they're you know it's a mixed bag of could be challenging for some folks and for others um they bypass that challenge and it just is um okay last question i just found out that i'm pregnant how do I find a doctor that's right for me? And let's even broaden this and call it, how do I find a care provider that feels right for me? So, question. Yeah, this is a great question. So I think it's really important to find a provider that feels right for you. And even how do you know if it's right for you to have a midwife or a doctor? Um, And how do you know what feels right? So most providers will do a free meet and greet. 
So try to schedule some meet and greets to see if you can find the provider that feels like the right connection for you. Mm -hmm. Talk to friends who've had babies, but then again, you might be looking for something a little bit different. If you're looking for midwifery care, that's longer visits, um, sometimes more of a holistic approach to birth. Yeah. You might not have friends that have gone that route, and that is okay, too. I think at some point, too, we're going to cover this on a podcast. Um, but I think um, people put a lot of pressure on themselves. I got to find the right doctor. I got to find the right midwife. I got to find the right away. So here's the lowdown. Typically, providers aren't really seeing much of you until about nine weeks of pregnancy. So as soon as you find out you're pregnant, sure, I think it's great to connect with a provider, um, particularly, and I am going to say this, if um, they're the pregnancy doesn't continue or if you're having some spotting or you have some concerns, right? It's nice to have that established relationship already. Also know that you can see someone for some pregnancy care at the very beginning and then go, you know what, I need to use some time as well to investigate other options and what feels best to me and maybe even switching providers. Like that's a typical not, I shouldn't say typical, but that's not a weird thing to do. We see people change providers well in their third trimester. It's totally fine to do if it's not the right fit. Yeah. It's always okay to advocate for what you want with a provider. So so know that we're going to cover this topic um, later as well in another episode, but that kind of gives you a little bit of a general view. I hope that you don't feel a lot of pressure, like, I got to find the right person right away, and I got to do all this stuff, um, that it's okay to take some time to investigate as well. Yep. So make an appointment with somebody that you've heard good things about, and then start doing setting up some meet and greets. I think that yeah. would be the, Absolutely. the quick, the best answer for that yeah. question. Yep. All right, so hopefully that answered some of your first questions, and we encourage you to keep sending us in your questions. We cannot wait to hear from you, and we'd love to do another episode of questions that you're too afraid to ask, and we'll keep it anonymous, and we won't even give you our dog's name. So <laughs> thanks so much for listening, and check us out on social media, where you can find us on Instagram and Facebook, and don't forget to subscribe to us. All right, see you Bye. next time. Where you